1: Download the new Bumble now.
2: What an honour to be back with you all. Welcome, one and all, to episode 46. You can't tell, but I am bowing. I'm also wearing a mankini. For those of you in the know, and by that I mean those of you who joined the mailing list... Thank you all for your entries into the Hitchcock competition. Later on in the show, I will be unleashing a very special guest indeed. The first ever guest on this show, I believe I'm right in saying, who will be drawing a winner. First though, how about a little music?
0: Brother George and I would like to talk to you for just a minute
2: about the West End of Kennet. Could you perhaps do it in a less creepy voice? We like the West End. It's the best end. Folks from Southeast Missouri are calling West St.
0: Francis Street, Bargain Boulevard. Stop looking at me and licking your lips. And here's the reason why there's plenty of room for you to park your car.
2: Keep your eyes on the piano, you
0: creepy guy. You park free, too. You like that, don't you? Certainly. The friendly merchants can sell the less, too, because they are out of the Highland District. George and I certainly like the Garden Boulevard. Don't we, George?
3: Ugh,
0: I feel all violated. My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. And I assure you, I thank you.
2: Quick thank yous today to Monsieur Crocoduck who secured a mention for this show on the Bible Geek podcast. Thank you to you both, and Canterbury-arama. Canterbury. To Miss B. Jones on Twitter, thank you for the sparkling conversation and for setting me straight on a few things regarding her forefathers, Barry Fitzgerald and Arthur Shields. Wonderful to meet you, and wonderful to be able to give you this mechanical Canterbury. Or McCanterbury, if
3: you will. Canterbury.
2: Greg. Greg who messaged me to say that while he was working on the special effects for the new Matt Damon movie, The Martian, he was, in fact, listening to the secret history of Hollywood. Apparently, a long shot of Mr. Damon on a hill was created to the soundtrack of The Games Afoot and Sex in Monochrome. What an honour. Has to be a space Canterbury for you. (laughs) To Mr. Daniel Purcell of Pop Spectre Productions, who sent an extraordinary email to me this week. Thank you, sir. I won't read it out, as I don't tend to do that. But I was very humbled by your words, and I'm thrilled to have you as a listener. Canterbury. To Tina, aka Spanky Spangler, you are very, very kind, and I will bake you a cake anytime A Canterbury cake, or Cakedbury, that is. Canterbury. And finally, to my wife, Hannah, who this week began work on the secret history of Hollywood ebooks. Hard at work there, turning the spaghetti of my notes and scripts into a readable format. You deserve a Canterbury too. In fact, you get a very special Canterbury, created by our son, Maxim.
3: Canterbury.
2: I can't hear you.
3: Canterbury.
2: All right. Okay, what the hell is this song about? Puss
0: and boots brings you new green cans.
4: Puss and boots brings you new green
0: cans. Puss and boots brings you new green cans. New green cans. New green cans. New green
2: cans. New green cans. Okay, I think there may be new green cans, everyone.
0: Green cans.
2: New, green can. new
5: green cans. New green, can. new green cans. That you keep
2: number. Puss and boots. Puss and boots. Cans the best cat food. Yeah. No, I think it's cat food. dog on yeah. it was dog food. New dog food. green cans. I watched some great movies this week, the first of which was Dodsworth from 1936, starring Walter Houston, Ruth Chatterton, Mary Astor, and David Niven. Houston plays Sam Dodsworth, the newly retired head of the Dodsworth Motor Company, and who's worked hard all his life, but who's now going off to see the world with his younger, glamorous wife, Fran played by Ruth Chatterton.
4: Oh, Sammy, darling, I want all the lovely things I've got a right to. In Europe, a woman of my age is just getting to the point where men begin to take a serious interest in her. And I won't be put on the shelf of my daughter when I can still dance longer and better than she can. After all, I've got brains, and thank heavens I've still got looks. Nobody takes me for over 32. 30 even. Oh, Sammy, darling. I'm begging for life. No, I'm not. I'm demanding it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see how you feel.
2: All right, I'll enjoy life now if it kills me, and it probably will. (laughs) While traveling through Europe, Fran is courted and adored by an assortment of scoundrels, including Paul Lucas and David Niven. All while Sam is busy drinking in the culture around him with wide-eyed pleasure. But Sam is no fool, and he soon comes to realize that his wife hasn't just dragged him away from their lives in Midwestern America so that she can see the sights. She wants a last fling, and when the last fling turns into something more permanent, Sam realizes that sooner or later, he'll be going home alone.
0: Well, I'm going to get out of this town and back to doing something and take you along. Well,
4: I'm not going, Sam. Oh, yes, you are. I'm not. I think you and I need a vacation from each other. Well, I don't
0: feel that way about it. I think I've been weak with you long enough.
4: Besides, I've I've rented
5: a villa with Rennie for the summer at at Montreux on Lake Geneva
4: in Switzerland.
0: Well, I think you might have told me.
4: I got my own money? Fran. What?
0: Fran, my darling, you're not drifting away from me. You and I, Fran, after all these years? (sighs) All right, I'll give it up. I won't go home. But
3: you... you've got to go you've simply got to oh
4: don't look so hurt and please don't be angry or be as angry as you like if it does any good remember i i did make a home for you once and i'll do it again only you've got to let me have my fling now because you're simply rushing at old age sam and i'm not ready for that yet
2: but while making his way slowly back to america by way of southern europe he's comforted by the enchanting kind-hearted edith courtright played by Mary Astor, who determines to make Sam forget his wife and carve out a new life for himself.
0: I won't let you go back to her.
2: Please, Edith, I know this is a jolt. It's a jolt to me, too.
6: I won't see you killed by her selfishness.
0: No, you don't understand. It'll be tough on her with all the talk there'll be.
4: I love you and she doesn't. You're content with me. You're miserable with her. I know, I know. A moment ago, you had the whole world in your hands. I won't let her take it away from you. She's
0: not taking it away. You She's...
4: were a young man a minute ago. Just the sound of her voice ah, is regular.
0: I know, it's everything starting up all over You've again. shriveled. I've seen you shrivel the same way every letter you've got from her. I can't think. You're all wrong to go back. Now, please, Edith, be fair. She's in a hole. She needs me. She does not need you And you might think of me. I am thinking of you. No, I won't make you choose just between two women. Think of Moscow and Seattle and Samarkand. I know, I know, I know every bit of it. Get one word from her and you trot right back. You've got to be patient with me.
4: What is this hold she has over you?
0: I've got to take care of her. A man's habits get pretty strong in 20 years.
2: This is a film that I've returned to often. Over the years and for some reason I don't find myself able to pinpoint any one singular reason. The performances are magical, especially in the leads. Walter Houston is the perfect blustering businessman who goofily bellows his way around the European sophisticates he meets and cares not one hoot about their frowns, but also Later in the film, he plays dumbstruck grief with absolute sincerity as he has his heart trampled on by the wife he adores. It's a spellbinding performance. Mary Astor also is the completely free-spirited heroine of the film, always saying the right thing at the right moment and with a real sense of understanding. For my money, it's her best screen performance. There's a scene early on where she communicates a small warning to Ruth Chatterton, and it really takes your breath. Superb. Ruth Chatterton, likewise, isn't a likeable character. In fact, she's undoubtedly the villain of the piece, and she plays it remarkably. She's utterly unsympathetic, and we hate her to pieces, but now and then... When her humanity returns in small glimpses, we really yearn for her to reform. The whole package is varnished with that indefinable 1930s Hollywood gloss. Dinner jackets, resplendent drawing rooms, singing violins, elegant fashion, art deco and the sumptuous sights of a tourist's Europe circa 1936. It's a brilliant movie and will really tug at your heartstrings. Do go and check it out if you haven't seen it already. Secondly today, a film that will absolutely surprise you this is reckless from 1935 starring gene Harlow, william powell Francho tone and rosalind russell
0: well, i always said that what i needed was the love of a good woman well and what she needs is a good old-fashioned fanning with a bedroom slipper
4: well let me out i've got a show tonight all, all in good time I
2: the story here is of musical star mona leslie Played by Gene Harlow, whose best friend, Ned Riley, played by William Powell, is always bailing her out of scrapes. Ned is secretly in love with Mona and has always longed to tell her so, but he leaves it too long, and she's romanced away by rich playboy Bob Harrison, played by Franco Tone.
0: Oh, Chief, how is the luck? Seems to be running out all around. Here you are, Blossom. Here's a little present for you. Why, it's a gold wedding ring. Who hocked it with you? Where'd you get it? I got it on a merry ground. That's the free ride. It's too dizzy though, and I got off.
2: Mona and Bob marry in haste, and while she's thrilled with her new love, he soon begins to regret his decision, fearing the snooty opinions of his father and his social set, especially as he was engaged to marry his childhood friend, Joe, played by Rosalind Russell. So far, so conventional. You are at this point supposing that Joe will resent Mona bitterly. That perhaps she and Bob will begin a clandestine love affair. Maybe she will entice Ned into a love affair which will make the married couple jealous. Maybe Bob and Mona will actually discover that they're perfect together and ride off into the sunset. After all, Bob is a pretty likeable guy. This is where the film deals its masterstroke, because once the situation has been set up in the film's first third, it begins to twist into something rather unexpected and unconventional.
3: All the pretty stars.
2: It turns out that Mona is something more than a blonde bombshell. She has a heart, and it's being broken by the fact that the man she fell for is ashamed of her. Bob, likewise, isn't the dashing playboy we've been led to believe, but an extremely tortured and somewhat damaged young man who wants it all. And Joe, who has watched the man she's loved all her life run off with a showgirl, actually has the largest of hearts. In fact, when Mona nervously joins this upper-class set of arrogant, haughty snobs and is roundly mocked, it's only Joe, that welcomes her, even befriending her. And then there's Ned, who, despite being rejected, still jumps at the chance to bail out the girl he loves, even when things get very dark indeed. And that's the thing about Reckless, this what-should-have-been frothy and throwaway romantic confection from 1935, it has a very, very dark streak. Its characters are laid completely bare at times, and later developments in the film will absolutely shock you, as well as tear your heart in two. I will not spoil anything for you. I will instead assure you that it will definitely surprise you. But be prepared for the ending. My God, which almost reduced me to rubble. Fantastic, fantastic film. A true classic. Lastly today, a film that I really shouldn't have enjoyed as much as I did, but which I thought was insanely entertaining. This is the sixth film in the Johnny Weissmuller Maureen Sullivan Tarzan series for MGM. Yes, The Sixth. This, my friends, is Tarzan's New York adventure.
4: What is it? What's Cheetah saying?
0: Cheetah say boy gone. An iron bird.
4: The hunters took him.
0: Cheetah say yes.
4: Oh, Tarzan, they'll take him away. They'll take him across the sea.
0: James, Be
4: brave. Oh, darling, whatever will we do? Our whole world's gone.
0: Tarzan's fine, boy.
2: Look, I know that any self-respecting film fan would be telling you about Tarzan the Ape Man or Tarzan and His Mate, two classics of pre-code cinema where the ideas were still fresh and the characters were still being wonderfully established. Not the sixth entry, when the scriptwriters were obviously running out of ideas to such an extent that they sent Tarzan to New York. But as many of you may have realized by now, I do like my B-movies. And by crikey, this is an entertaining one. The story begins with a group of big game hunters landing on Tarzan's escarpment, where they observe boys' remarkable skills at commanding animals.
0: That kid would be a sensation in the circus. I can see the 24 sheets now. The boy king of the jungle. Yes, they'd be a gold mine if we had him back in America.
2: When natives attack, and it seems as though Tarzan and Jane have been killed, the men take boy back with them to New York as a circus attraction. But Tarzan and Jane are not dead. What to do? Why, go to New York, of course. The biggest jungle of them all. If it were for any reason
4: less than our boy, I'd make you turn back. We're going into places where men's minds are more tangled than the worst underbrush in the jungle. It would break my heart to see your strength and courage caught in the quicksands of civilization, and I'll be the only guide you'll have. Will you follow me? Will you do as I say?
0: Jane lead way, Tarzan follow always.
2: What follows is a rapid-fire sequence of Tarzan learning the ways of the Westerner. First, he's trying to find clothes that will fit him.
7: Jane, get clothes. Tarzan, better without clothes. Now, darling, you promise.
2: Then he's in the back of a taxi and hears an opera singer on the radio.
0: Woman sick. Cry for witch doctor.
2: Of course, every African-American he meets in the city must be part of a tribe.
0: Choconi tribe. But clothes
2: on him too. He must also get acquainted with plumbing, with windows, with traffic, with telephone. And it's not just him, because Cheetah has come along for the ride. Watch in wonder as a monkey uses a telephone and gets racially abused. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> What's that?
3: This
0: is Sam. Who is this? What's that? I said this is Sam. That's what I said. What you say? You ain't getting fresh with me, is you, colored boy? Don't you give me none of that
2: double talk? Do you hear me? Why you, 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 mush mouth? Well, when they find boy, they of course have to take the legal route and go to court to win him back. Yes. You heard that right. Tarzan goes to court.
5: Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help your God? Tarzan always tell truth. What's your name? Tarzan. Full name.
0: That's the only name he has. You have educated your son, haven't you? I mean, well, what did you teach the boy? Teach boy where to find water when thirsty, where to find food when hungry. Tarzan teach boy to be strong like lion, and happy like bird.
2: When that course of action fails, Tarzan must revert to type and bring his own laws of the jungle into play. And so, ladies and gentlemen, prepare thyselves for the sight of Tarzan swinging between buildings. And it's thrilling stuff. Some of the shots where he's running along the edge of a rooftop or making a leap across a huge gap between buildings will make you wince. Especially one part where he swings on a flagpole and leaps off to another building. It's genuinely watch-through-your-fingers stuff. Plus, did I mention... Tarzan goes to court.
0: Have you ever thought what will become of Boy if he grows up in the jungle? Boy grow up to be brother of sun and friend of rain. Hurt nobody, want nothing people have. Grow old like cedar tree.
2: I know it's not the most well-regarded of the series, and all involved are starting to look a little older. I don't care. I really, really enjoyed this film, and would happily recommend it to anyone. He goes to court.
0: Can you read, Tarzan? Read? Yes, read. Read a book. Come here hear Shakespeare's Hamlet? Tarzan, read Trails and Jungle. Read Clouds and Sky. Lawyer ever hear of Kinsanupa? Kinsin what? Kinsinupa. It snake bites. All babies in the jungle know that.
2: <laughs> Look, if you want him battling tigers and crocodiles, then go for the previous five movies. But if you want to see a bare-chested Johnny Weissmuller leaping between skyscrapers, showering with his clothes on, and basically insulting everyone in New York, then this is the film you've been waiting for. <laughs> Well, when it comes to radio today, I expect you're expecting a version of one of the films I've mentioned today. Well, there was no radio adaptation of Tarzan's New York adventure, More's The Pity, and Dodsworth and Reckless both work better as films, I felt. So, keeping with the completely random nature of this episode, I've chosen a wild card for your radio listening pleasure. This is the Lux Radio Theatre's production of one of my favourite comedies of the 1930s, Leo McCarey's The Awful Truth, from 1937, which starred Cary Grant, Irene Dunn and Ralph Bellamy. For this version, Lux roped in the fabulous Claudette Colbert to appear opposite Cary Grant. So I'll whisk you there now for The Awful Truth. I do hope you enjoy it and I will see you on the other side. Lux
7: presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Cary Grant and Claudette Colbert in The Awful Truth with Phyllis Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. There's a feeling of gaiety and excitement along Hollywood Boulevard tonight. Lights are ablaze and crowds are gathering in front of our theater. All the visible signs of a Hollywood opening are here to welcome the Lux Radio Theater back to the air after our summer vacation. But there's another scene that interests us more than the bright lights on Hollywood Boulevard. A scene repeated some millions of times throughout the country. It's the scene in your living room where you and your family once more occupy the reserved seats, which are yours tonight and every Monday night. You are the ones who've made this theater possible by your purchases of Lux Flakes and Lux Toilet Soap. We owe you an obligation to make this new year in the Lux Radio Theater the most entertaining in our history. And tonight we pay you the first installment on this obligation by presenting The Awful Truth, starring Claudette Colbert and Cary Grant which reminds me that we still owe an obligation to Miss Colbert. Whenever she's done a comedy for us in the past, Claudette has always said that next time she'd like to do a serious drama, and we've solemnly promised that she could. And we'd keep that promise if she'd give us the chance. But we're continually finding comedies that she insists on doing. And I'm not a man with either the courage or the inclination to refuse Claudette anything. At lunch not long ago... We talked about plans for the opening coming, for the coming season in the Lux Radio Theater. The moment I mentioned the awful truth, I noticed a hungry gleam in Claudette's eye. But quickly explained, of course, that wouldn't interest you. It's a comedy. I was wrong again. Before we came to dessert, Claudette was asking for the script. The memorable performance of Cary Grant as Jerry in the film produced by Columbia Pictures Corporation instantly suggested him for the same role in our radio adaptation. But he was easier to cast than to find. In fact, Cary Grant is probably one of the hardest men in Hollywood to find. Our intelligence service, however, tracked him to the beach, where he'd gone swimming with Phyllis Brooks. That gave us another idea. And we signed them both right there, dripping wet. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the very pleasant truth is that we're ready to give you the awful truth. As we raise the curtain on a new season in the Lux Radio Theater, an act one of our play, starring Cary Grant as Jerry and Claudette Colbert's Lucy. With Phyllis Brooks, there's Barbara. The sunlamp room of a midtown Manhattan athletic club. Hank the attendant is piling towels on a shelf as a young man in gym trunks makes a hurried entrance. He's Jerry Warrener a tall young man, well-built and healthy. But just now, there's a sharp contrast between his decided pallor and the two dark, magnificent circles under his eyes. With a quick movement, he bounces up on the table and stretches out luxuriously.
1: All right, Hank, my man, turn on that sun lamp, give her all she's got. Well, about 15 minutes on each side is all I'd recommend, Mr. Oh, Warner. No, 15 minutes, nothing. I've got to get a deep Florida tan if it takes all afternoon. Give it the juice. Well, okay. boy. All aboard for Miami, Palm Beach, and Point South. Hi, Jerry. Oh, hello, Frank. I heard you were in here. Thought maybe you'd like to play a little squash. Sorry, Frank, no time. Say, you're awfully white-skinned for a guy who just spent two weeks in Florida. You no, know, that's just what I thought. Uh, what mm-hmm. did you do down there? Carry a parasol? Or uh, didn't you go? Ah, 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 Don't let any idea like that get around. Uh-huh, I get it. Pulling a fast one on the little wife, huh? Oh, now, look, Frank, I'm surprised at you. I'm supposed to have been in Florida. Now, suppose one of Lucy's friends says, Why, isn't he tanned? Well, Lucy's going to be embarrassed. Well, I'm going to be tanned. Lucy's not going to be embarrassed. <laughs> and what wives don't know won't hurt them. What was it? A poker trip? Sure, a fellow's got to bust out once in a while, assert his independence. Boy, did I assert it. Yeah, you certainly look it. But I bet you wouldn't like Lucy to pull a stunt like that on Why you. Why not? After all, a person doesn't have to stop being an individual just because she gets married? Uh, maybe. Anyhow, how about coming over to my house for breakfast? We were all out late last night, and some of the gang is stopping by. i got a better idea. Everybody come to my place. Lucy will fix up breakfast for us, and maybe later we can sneak away and play some golf. What do you say? I'm convinced. I'll see you later. <laughs> Okay, ladies and gents, come on in. The joint is yours.
6: Jerry, that sunburn. You're positively vermilion. Yeah. Wait till Lucy sees what Florida <laughs> did
1: for you. <laughs> yeah, where is she?
6: Hey, Lucy, Lucy,
1: surprise. <laughs> well, well, hello, old dog of mine. How you been? Hey, where's Mama? Where is she? Oh,
4: welcome back, Mr. Warner.
1: Oh, hello, Celeste. Will you tell Mrs. Warner I'm
6: here? I'm sorry, sir. Mrs. Warner's not at home.
1: Not home? Where'd she go?
6: I don't know, sir.
1: Oh, well, uh, uh, when did she leave?
6: I'm not sure, sir. I think last night.
1: You mean she hasn't been... She... <laughs> oh, well, uh, okay, never mind. Uh, what's the matter, Jerry? No welcoming arms to greet you this trip? Now mind your own business, will you? Come to think of it, she probably ran up to her Aunt Patsy's cabin in the mountains. She always does if She gets lonely.
6: Suppose her Aunt Patsy wasn't home?
1: Oh, I get it. I'm up to my neck of funny people, huh? <laughs> No, no, seriously, I wish Lucy would go out and get some fun for herself now and then, do her good That's the trouble with marriage, people are always imagining things and the next thing you know they end up in a divorce court Ah, the broad-minded man from Miami Yeah, Yeah. well, if you think you're going to get a chance to prove my broad-mindedness, you're crazy She's up at Aunt Patsy's cabin and I'll bet on it Saying, is that a spot,
3: Frank? Why the
1: fish just. Up at Aunt Patsy's cabin, eh? Well, there's Patsy now. (laughs) Some fun, huh? Shut up. Hey, turn that radio off, will you? Well, uh, hello, Patsy. How did you get here?
6: By invitation. Lucy invited me yesterday on the phone. Say, what is this? Lucy invites me no Lucy. Where is she?
1: I don't know. I I. Hello,
5: hello, hello. Lucy. Hey, Hey, Lucy. Oh no, Jerry, darling.
1: Oh, Darling, gee, it's good
6: to see you. Oh, it's grand. You're looking marvelous, Jerry. Yeah? Oh, oh, I nearly forgot Armand. Armand, come on in and meet everybody. Armand's the best music teacher a woman ever had, aren't you, Armand? Thank you, my
1: dear.
6: You know Armand Lever, you know you know, Jerry, of course.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. How are you? How do you do?
6: Everybody else, this is Armand. Oh,
1: how do you out. do? How do you do? How are you?
6: Oh, well, now that we're all introduced, I can relax. Oh, <laughs> Armand and I have had the most... Terrible time.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I imagine you must have. Where was the recital? Oh,
6: now, silly, what do you mean?
1: Oh, I didn't know they had recitals in the morning and the people went to them in evening clothes. <laughs> so formal,
6: isn't it? <laughs> well, Alma does look silly in Dales at this time of the day, doesn't he? <laughs> no. Oh, it was such an awful time.
1: Oh, why? Somebody sing off pitch?
6: Oh, now stop it, darling You don't know what happened Alma's car broke down a million miles from nowhere He had to park me at a farmhouse And hike to the nearest town to get them to tow the car And then he had to stay there Hang around garages and things To pick me up in the morning and bring me home oh, it, so? it was dreadful We were coming home from a party You were
8: the loveliest human
7: being there
6: Oh, thank you, Alma. You say the nicest <laughs> things. <laughs> but, well, Jerry You understand, don't you?
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. (laughs) Mr. Werner, (laughs) you
6: have the continental mind. (laughs) Oh, sure,
1: that's it. (laughs) I've got a continental mind now.
6: (laughs) Oh, Lucy, dear. So sorry, but I have to run. That horrible dressmaker of mine... Oh, of course, darling. You know, too, Lucy. I'm sorry. Oh, wait a minute. What's the idea? The party hasn't even
1: started yet. Oh, sure, sure. We know, but uh, you probably want to talk to Lucy. Oh, come on, people. I'll give you all a hand. Okay,
3: Frank. Over to you. Goodbye, Jerry. Bye. Bye.
1: Well. Oh. Well, Mr. Louvel, why didn't you let Frank give you a hitch? Uh,
6: I wanted to explain. You see, Mr. Warner, the next time I take your wife out, I hope that...
1: I hope you buy a new car, else alone you mine. Are you hungry?
6: Huh? Oh, thanks. Well, yes, I I am.
1: Now why don't you run out and get a bite? Big strong fellow like you should take care of himself, sitting in drafty garages all night. Uh, uh, Mr. Warner, what have I done? That's what I'm going to find out.
6: Oh, now Jerry.
1: Uh, we'll discuss this in private, please. That is, if Mr. Louvel can remember where we keep our door. Very
6: well. Perhaps it's best this way, Lucy. Will I see you soon? Well, of course, um. Oh, it's all been so perfect, Lucy. Thank you for everything. And Mr. Warner, I think you must be out of your continental mind. <laughs> You know, that was pretty funny at that, I mean, what he just said. Oh,
1: very funny. Brush me (laughs) off, will you?
6: Well, he's gone. You can speak freely, darling.
1: Well, Lucy, what have you got to say for for yourself? yourself. Oh, that's so smart.
6: (laughs) Well, I knew you'd say that, and I'm prepared to answer. Our mom was invited to the party by a young man whose sister is a pupil of our mom. Alma invited me to go along. I went because I could think of nothing better to do. Believe it or not, I was lonely.
3: Yes,
1: and then the car broke down.
6: Yes, and then I stayed at the farmhouse. I slept badly because of insufficient blankets. Uh, twice during the night, I-, I coughed. Now, let me see, was there anything else?
1: Now, look, Lucy, this situation isn't amusing, although you seem to think it is. If you had sense enough to see it, you know that our marriage is teetering on the edge of a cliff. Well, you'll try to be funny. But perhaps marriage doesn't mean anything to you. Perhaps you've no sentiment left for me. Look at this on the table, a letter I wrote you from Florida, and you didn't even open it.
6: Mm, It's enough to destroy one's faith, isn't it?
1: Oh, I haven't any faith left in anyone.
6: Not even in that conscientious soul at Miami Beach who followed your directions so nicely and mailed me a letter every day?
1: Huh? What on earth are you talking about?
6: Oh, darling. You look so cute and pleased with your little athletic club sunburst. Rather like a small boy who's just had his curls cut off. Well, I don't like to be unpleasant, Jerry, but you are not in Florida.
1: Now, don't change the subject. You
6: weren't in Florida, and you weren't in Montreal that time you said you were going there. Once you, you even had the letters mailed from the wrong place. Huh? Huh? Now, dear Lucy, Charleston is such a quaint city. The quaint thing about Charleston is Charleston's postmark is Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Nice trick your friend played on you.
1: Now, now, wait a minute. Don't try to justify your behavior by insinuating things about me.
6: What? But I haven't any behavior to justify I, I've just been unlucky, that's all. You came home and caught me in, in the truth. It seems there's nothing less logical than the truth. Oh, 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 oh.
1: A philosopher, huh? <laughs> you don't believe me? How can I believe you?
6: Oh, listen, Jerry. Now, don't you see that there, there can't be any doubt in marriage? The whole thing is built on faith, and if you've lost that, you've lost everything.
1: Yes, I suppose when that's gone, the marriage is washed up, isn't it?
6: Do you mean that? Sure. Well. I guess that settles it.
1: I guess it does. And let me tell you something. Well,
6: let me tell you something. I wouldn't go on living with you if if you were dipped in platinum. So go on. Oh, go on. Divorce me. It'll be a pleasure.
1: Divorce you? Are you crazy? Do you think I want people to think you preferred that 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 music lover to me? Oh. Well,
6: well, then I'll divorce you. It's customary anyway. I, I think it has something to do with the, the husband being a gentleman. Never
1: mind the gentleman stuff. Just get going on it. Go
3: on.
6: I, I'll call the lawyer right now. By the way, what's the most convenient day for you to
5: be divorced?
3: And in the case
1: of Warner versus Warner, the court grants an interlocutor decree of divorce to the plaintiff, Lucy Warner. The divorce, if not further contested, will become final in 90 days from this date. That will be all.
7: One moment, Your Honor. There's one matter still unsettled. According to my client, Mr. Warner, it's a matter of... Uh, Uh, uh,
6: Mr. Smith. Yes, Your Honor, Mr. Smith.
7: And who is Mr. Smith? Mr.
1: Smith is... uh, he's their dog. No, no, Mr. Smith is my dog. He's mine. Uh, Silence. But Mr. Smith belongs to me and she's got him. I told you to keep quiet.
6: But... Oh, ignore him, Your Honor. I told you he was impossible to get along with.
1: Oh, well, let's hear it. The animal at present is in Mrs. Warner's possession. Mr. Warner wishes to have him because... Because he's mine. He is
6: not. Yes, he, so. he is not. Silence. Silence. He is not.
1: This seems to be a custody case. And in custody cases, we frequently permit the final decision to rest with the, uh, the dog. Ah, ah, well, now we're getting somewhere. Now let Mr. Smith decide whom he wants to live Silence, with. Silence, please. Oh, bailiff, have the dog brought in. The custody of the dog will depend on his own desires. And let me warn you... Neither of you must use any false means of influencing the animal's decision. <whistles> Unfasten the dog, please. Now, you may each call the dog.
3: Come on, Come on,
6: Come on, oh, Bill. Come on, Bill. Come on, oh, Bill. Come on, oh, Bill. Come
1: on, Bill. Come on, Bill. Come on, Bill. Come on,
6: Bill. Come
1: on, Bill. Come on, Bill. Come on, Come on, Come on, Come the court is adjourned.
6: Good day, your
1: honor. Hey, you, you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Come back here, you. Huh? You mean me? What's Mister Smith doing with that rubber bone in his mouth?
6: Well, it always was his favorite bone. Where
1: did he get it?
6: How would I know? Oh, you. <laughs> You'd stoop to
1: anything. You hid that bone under your handbag, and Mister Smith smelled it. You're not going to get him away from me like that.
6: Get him. <laughs> I've got him, darling. (laughs)
3: Goodbye.
5: Rain, rain, rain. Look at that rain. Oh,
6: why, Aunt Patsy? Is it doing anything besides falling? I don't think so. Nothing unusual ever happens around here. If I'd known we were going to be buried side by side, I'd never have consented to take an apartment with you. Yes, but I needed you, Aunt Patsy. You know the period of readjustment that comes in the wake of a divorce. Readjustment, my foot. Just another word for moping around. Oh, don't be silly. Oh, why, you know dozens of men who turn handsprings at a chance to take you out. But no, you'd rather sit around and uh, readjust yourself. No, you're just an old grouch, that's all.
3: Yeah?
5: Well, this is one old grouch who wants to go somewhere where there's life. And I don't mean plant life.
6: Well... We can't go out without escorts, so that's that. Well, I don't need an escort to go down to the lobby. I'm going down to the newsstand and see Joe. He may be funny-looking, but he's a man, and maybe he knocks off early. Oh, Aunt Patsy, you wouldn't.
5: Oh, I wouldn't, eh? You're talking to a desperate
6: woman. Boy, front, boy,
3: front.
8: Hey, Mr. Mr. Wainwright.
5: Well, I guess I've read pretty nearly
6: everything here, Joe.
8: Too bad, ma'am. Mm,
6: isn't it? I'm so bored. It's too bad they stopped printing zippy stories.
8: Yes, ma'am. That's what my wife says.
6: Oh, she does. I see. Oh,
8: pardon me, but did that copy come in of the Tulsa, Oklahoma Bugle? Sorry, Mr. Leeson. I guess maybe there's something wrong with the mails. Oh,
1: well, that's too bad.
8: Looks like I won't find out how we did at the Rodeo. Oh, <laughs> How do, ma'am?
5: Oh, how do you do?
8: I hope you don't think I'm fresh. My name's Dan Leeson, room 1214. Ma'am, I see you coming in and going out sometimes.
5: Oh, we've noticed you, too.
8: You did? Mm -hmm. Well, say, who is that beautiful girl who's with you sometimes? And she has a dog and... uh, well, she's beautiful.
6: Oh,
5: that's my niece, Lucy. She's just a little homebody.
8: No. Mm-hmm. Say, I wonder if you'd do me a favor.
5: Why, of course hey, I would, yes, Mr. Leeson. What is it?
8: Well, you see, I'm a stranger in town, and I thought
6: that. Here we are. Go right in, Mr. Leeson. Oh, thanks. You know, I think
5: it's just wonderful that we met this way. Oh, Lucy, Lucy, may I present Mr. Leeson? Mr. Mr. Leeson, this is my niece you were so anxious to meet. Her name is Lucy Warner. How do you
6: do?
8: Oh, how do you do, ma'am? Uh,
5: Mr. Mister Leeson's from Oklahoma, Lucy,
6: and he'd take it as being right neighborly of us if we'd show him some of the bright spots. Oh, well, it's raining rather hard. And uh, Mr. Leeson lives right across the hall with his mother.
5: Isn't that what you said, with your mother?
8: Yep, with Ma. Mm-hmm. We're here on a visit. I'm in oil, you know.
5: Oh, marinated, so to speak. Mm -hmm.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Say, that's a good one. I must remember to tell that the (laughs) mall. No,
6: I'm sure she'd adore that. (laughs) Yes. Well, uh, tell us all about Oklahoma, Mr. Leeson.
8: Well, we all think Oklahoma, well, it's pretty darn swell. Oh, there's the the
6: door. I'll get it. (laughs) Yes, Mr. Leeson?
8: Well, like I was saying, ma'am, Oklahoma, that is pretty darn... Oh, why,
5: Jimmy? <laughs>
8: uh, oh, dear.
1: Well, how's
5: the old girl? Well, never better. Won't you want to come in?
1: <laughs> I fully intend to. Well, well. Uh, hello, Lucy.
6: Hello. What do you want?
1: Well, now, read this little legal document. I guess that'll explain better than I could.
6: What? Well, what
1: is this? It's a writ. That's what it is. A writ. The court just ruled that I'm permitted to see Mr. Smith for two hours a week. I am permitted to take Mr. Smith walking, riding, motor play, no, motor boating or aquaplaning. No, not aquaplaning. That's too dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the order reads that I can visit with him and entertain him in any form or manner that does not endanger life or limb. And that would rule out aquaplaning. <laughs>
6: mm-hmm. I suppose you've come to take him bicycling.
1: What, in this weather? Are you crazy? Why, he catches death of cold. No, I've come to entertain him in any form or manner. Hey, Smitty, where are you?
6: I'll get him.
1: Oh, Miss Warner,
6: perhaps oh, I'm, I've Oh, been... I'm sorry, Mr. Leeson. Uh, this is my husband. Oh, uh,
1: I mean, oh...
6: Well, uh, he, he's only my husband for... How much longer is it? Oh, 60 days. No, no, no,
1: 59. <laughs> well, how are you, Mr. Leeson? Howdy. I'm glad to know you. Uh, excuse me, what you say? I said I'm glad to know you. Oh, uh, 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 how can you be glad to know me? I know how I'd feel if I was sitting with a girl and her husband walked in. <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh, I'll bet you do.
1: What's that supposed to mean,
6: huh? nothing. Nothing. Uh. Why don't you go and play with the dog? Sure. Where is he? Hey, Mr. Smith. Where are you, fella?
1: Oh, see, he's brought this boy. Gee, old fella, it's good to see you. Look what I mm-hmm. brought you. You're all better scrap.
6: Come on. Let's, uh, on. let's have a tuck around. You, uh, you were telling us about Oklahoma, Mr. Lee. Oh, yes.
8: Well, I'm really a man of many interests out there, Mrs. Warner. Oil is my main business, of course. and I can't complain about that. Uh, it's treated me fine.
1: Yeah. Come on. And
8: I have a big ranch It's yeah. more of a hobby than ever. Oh, the lamp, Jerry, you broke the lamp. Oh, it's
1: nothing. I'll get you a new one. Oh, don't bother.
8: It's only a little import. Like I was saying, Mrs. Warner, this ranch is just outside of Tulsa. I have just about everything. Oh, day, day. oh
5: heavens, Jerry, do you have to play that game? Oh, any other ones? Yes. Get his rubber bone for him. He
6: loves that bone. Oh, yes,
1: I remember. Where is it?
6: In the closet, right there. Huh? In here? That's right. I can't find it. Oh, we'll just keep looking. Hey, hey what is this? Lock locked the door open. Aunt Patsy, what are you doing? Hey. Lucy, dear,
5: why don't you go along with Mr. Leeson? Patsy, Patsy, let me out of here! I'm locked in. Say, is anything wrong? Oh no, <laughs> that's just a game Mister Waldenup has with the dog. Oh, oh! God, oh. I want to get out
6: of here. Oh Lord! Well, come on, Mister Leeson, let's go. Huh? Oh, swear! Good night, Aunt Patsy. I hope you know what you're doing. Well, good night, dear.
5: Night.
6: Night. Ooh, I'll break the door down
5: if you don't let me out of here. I'll... Just a minute, just a minute. Come on out, Jerry.
1: Oh, framed. That's what I am, framed. Ha! You're trying to cook up something between my wife and that Buffalo Bill, aren't you?
5: Your wife?
1: She's still my wife for 60 days.
5: 59.
1: All right, 59, but she's still my wife. Do you understand?
5: And what are you going to do about it?
1: You'll find out what I'm going to do. Stick around and watch. I've got some rights around here.
6: To entertain Mr. Smith in any form or manner.
1: Oh, shut up. (laughs)
7: We are waiting for Jerry to make good on those threats. We take a brief intermission from our play to hear from Mister Ruick. Ladies and gentlemen, in our intermission before Act Two of The Awful Truth, starring Claudette Colbert, Cary Grant with Phyllis Brooks, we bring you a musical interlude. Three charming young ladies will sing a song suggesting something about our product, Lux toilet soap. Well, Sally, and what is your song going to be?
6: Sweet Sue, Mister Ruick. Shall we sing it?
7: Yes, please. Ooh.
6: Are
3: above knows the one I love. See, to just you and the moon on high knows the reason why it's you, no one but you, no one else it seems ever shares my dreams. Without you, dear, I don't know what I do in this heart of mine.
7: Mmm, a sweet song. And you chose it because...
6: Well, Mr. Ruick, because we think one of the nicest things about Lux Toilet Soap is the way it leaves you feeling so sweet.
7: So, Sweet Sue reminds you of a Lux girl. Mmm, that's nice. And it's true that Lux Toilet Soap leaves you feeling sweet and dainty. That's why it's such a delightful bath soap. Really, a fragrant Lux Toilet Soap bath is the most refreshing experience you can have when you're tired and feeling sort of, well, uncharming. Its rich, creamy, active lather just floats away, perspiration and dust and dirt, leaves you utterly dainty. And when you consider how little Lux Toilet Soap costs, only a few pennies, why every member of the family can share the luxury of this kind of bath. You know, it's because so many millions of cakes of Lux Toilet Soap are sold that it can cost so little. So everybody, fathers, mothers, youngsters, babies, can have its gentle care. Remember that it's gentle, it cleanses beautifully, it leaves you dainty and sweet and charming to other people, as you always want to be. Buy three cakes at a time so that Lux Toilet Soap will always be at hand. Our producer, Mr. DeMille. Act Two of The Awful Truth, starring Claudette Colbert as Lucy, Cary Grant as Jerry, with Phyllis Brooks as Barbara. It's morning, a few weeks after Jerry's hectic visit. Across the breakfast table in their lonely apartment, Aunt Patsy is looking at her niece with an expression of growing horror.
6: What did you say, Lucy? I said, of course I like Dan Leeson. Why shouldn't I? He's sweet and thoughtful. And you should be the last one to object. You introduced him to me. Only because he was a man who could take us out. I didn't expect you to get silly about him. Was it silly to like a man who's sane and considerate? I was married to one of those gay romantic types, and one's enough. Your toast is burning. Lucy, do you know what rebound is? That business of trying to get over one love affair by bouncing into love with somebody else? Well, yeah, it's fine, except the rebound is rarely the real thing. There's the first bounce, the second bounce, and, well, look at me. You wind up like an old tennis ball. Now, look, I, I tell you I'm serious about Dan Leeson. He's a fine person. I like him. I, I like him very much, and I'm all through with Jerry. He, he doesn't mean a thing to me. I don't love him... What's more, I probably never did. I guess that surprises you, doesn't it? I hate Jerry Warner, and I like Dan Leeson very, very much. I, I can hardly wait to see him tonight. And I hope he's just mad about me because I think he's the finest man I ever met. Lucy. I know, my toast. Honest
4: oh, to goodness, Mr. Warner. I think it's simply wonderful of you to come here just to hear me sing.
1: Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure,
4: sure. Mr. Warner, you're awful sweet and all that, but you always seem to have your mind on something else. Or maybe it's someone else. Am I right, sugar pie?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in love with love. Uh Uh-huh. In the spring, a young man's fancy likely turns to what he's been thinking about all winter. Mm -hmm. Say, uh, how long have you been talking like Amos and Andy? Oh, for a long time.
4: (laughs) It helps me in my work. Well, shut my mouth. Who's that dog-looking creature just coming in?
1: Oh, where? Oh, my, my. Well, you've heard that gag that's lying around town. Who was that lady I saw you with?
4: You mean that's no lady, that's your wife?
1: Ah, uh-huh, that's my wife. I guess this is our table over here, Lucy. Sit down. Come on over and meet her. Well, well, well. Hello, folks.
6: Oh, hello.
1: Uh, uh, this is, uh, Miss Dixie Belle Lee. This is Mrs. Warner, and this is Mr. Leeson. The gentleman Mrs. Warner is going to marry. That's right.
4: I'm mighty proud to meet you all.
1: Ah, uh, now, you're sure we're not intruding, huh? Well, what do you mean? Well, wouldn't you like to buy us a drink? Oh, oh, why, why, yes, of course. Well, uh, sit down. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <sighs> ah, well, my, 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 isn't this cozy, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, so you two are going to be married, huh? Oh, I was glad when I heard that. Yes, I said to myself that Leeson's just the man for Lucy, and then I said to myself... He's always
6: talking to
4: himself. (laughs) Yes. Uh, This is a charming place, don't you think, Miss Uh, Uh, Dixie Belle Lee. Oh. Do you like it, honey? I'm so glad, because I kind of feel like the place is mine. Oh, you you come here often? Well, I work here. Didn't you all know that? No, no. Say
8: you're from the south aren't you
4: now isn't he just the cleverest yet how'd you all ever guess that mr Mann?
8: oh <laughs> i don't know
1: it was just a shot in the dark Shot <laughs> well you see dixie belle lee isn't her real name no oh no no she changed it because her family objected to her going into show business isn't that right dixie
4: that's right well i guess i would better go now and get ready do you reckon you all can stay to see my aunt? Oh, of course we'll stay.
1: But nothing could drag us away.
4: Well, I'll see you later, honey child. I'll be here. Mm-hmm. She seems like a lovely girl.
1: Ah, she is, Lucy. But wait till she sings. A golden throat, that's what. I keep coming here all the time just to listen to her.
6: How faithful of you. Does
1: she really sing awful good? Well, no. I don't think her singing's up to Lucy's, No. Dixie has a sort of an elfin charm, uh, a je ne sais quoi, if you know what I mean, and I don't...
6: Dan, dear. I don't. Uh, don't you think you ought to ask Jerry about it now?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh-huh, uh uh-huh. About what?
6: About our mine, Jerry.
1: What mine?
6: Our mine. You know, our coal mine. It's our last tire, Jerry, and, well, I was telling Mr. Leeson how badly it was doing, and he thought maybe he could do better with it. That's
8: right. I'd like to gamble on it, Mr. Warner. I'm pretty lucky. Do you know what they call me out west? (laughs) I can guess. (laughs) Well, how about us having a conference at my apartment
1: tomorrow? Well, I don't know. I'll have to think about it.
8: And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is with great pleasure that I present that great little artist, Miss Dixie Belle Lee. isn't she pretty? She sure is. The
6: costume's a little short, isn't it? I mean, unless she does a tank act.
3: Uh-uh. Shh, shh, Listen to
4: this. Listen, listen. I got an invitation for Mrs. Hutton. Oh, is just don't care for nothing. I'm, I'm yeah. Is that
6: what you mean by elfin charm? I might be right
8: there. <laughs> Say, she'd go great in Oklahoma, wouldn't she?
6: Come on, swing it, miss. I'm Yippee. Dan, I, I don't feel well. Yippee. Why, well, what's the trouble, Lucy? Dan, I think you'd better take me home. But,
8: Lucy, we can't walk out in the middle of Miss Lee singing. Oh, don't you like her, Lucy? Oh,
6: I love her, yes. I can see now it was easy for her to change her name than for her whole family to change this. <laughs> Come on, Dan. I'll well,
8: all right, if you want, Lucy. Don't forget tomorrow afternoon at my apartment, Mr. Warner, about that mine. <laughs> I'll be there,
4: big boy. Horton, all dressed up, don't care for nothing, i
8: Sit down,
1: Warner. I want to hear all about these mines. Well, I've got all the records and history with me. Oh, by the way, Lucy, I searched all over for the for the report my call made before we bought it, but I couldn't find it. You must have it. Oh, well,
5: perhaps
6: I have.
1: Well, uh, when you get a chance, take a look through your stocking drawer with her. You know, Dan, she always hides important things in the top drawer of her dresser. She does? Oh, sure, sure. It's an old habit of hers. Every legal paper we ever had smelled a sachet. <laughs> Even our marriage certificate.
6: Uh, about <laughs> the mine, Jerry... <laughs>
1: Oh, yes, yes, the mine, Uh uh-huh.
5: Good afternoon. Oh, come on in, Ma. Come on in. Oh, hello, Mrs. Lucy. Good afternoon, Lucy.
8: I guess you don't know this fella here, Ma. He's Jerry Warner, Ma. Hello.
5: It's very funny seeing you here, Mr. Warner.
1: Is it? Well, it's funny seeing you.
5: Uh. (laughs) I met some people today, and they spoke about you and uh, about Lucy, too. They knew you both before the divorce. Oh, I imagine you will running to dozens of people who did. They spoke very well of you, Mr. Warriner. They said you were a real gentleman. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Got any gum? No. <laughs> they, uh, they talked about Lucy, too.
6: Oh, well, isn't it nice not to be forgotten by your old friends?
5: You know, Lucy, as many times as I've heard your fine singing, I never realized that you, uh, must have had a teacher. <laughs> they, um... Tell me he's been uh, teaching you for some time, and he's a very romantic type. Mm-hmm. This woman I was talking to told me that, uh, oh, well, no matter. <laughs> What's that,
1: no, Mom? No, no. look at this map, Leeson, about no. this new opening in the northern side of the mine. Now, Lucy. Here, now, let me show you the prospectus.
6: Jerry, I think I ought to tell you that nobody's listening to you.
1: Huh? Huh? Uh, what do you mean? Now, what could possibly be more interesting than the Warrener mine?
6: The Warrener Divorce. The gal's name needs clearing, partner.
1: Oh, that's ridiculous.
6: Is it really?
1: Certainly, Mrs. Leeson, and so are you. Ah, No, no, Dan, relax, relax. No fisticuffs, I'll explain. Mrs. Leeson, our divorce was one of those tragedies you read about in the newspapers. Yes, a trusting woman and a worthless man. Lucy's above suspicion, Mrs. Leeson. Always has been. She's as pure as the driven snow, as faithful as she is fair. I tell you, something wonderful went out of my life when I lost her.
8: Yep. I know
1: just how you
8: feel, Mr. Warner. How do you know?
1: How can you know how I feel to have used up the best years of a woman's life? Huh? Ah, oh, well, folks, that's the way it goes. <sighs> Excuse me, Mrs. Leeson. You're sitting on my prospectus.
5: Oh! Oh! <laughs>
1: Sorry. Well, I'll be going now. Take good care of her, Dan, won't you? I'm sure you'll be happy out where the West begins. All three of you. Maybe you'll succeed, Dan, where I failed. Goodbye now.
8: Well, Ma, are you convinced about everything?
6: What about the music teacher? Oh, Oh, now, look, you two. Why don't you go back to your room and settle things for yourself? hmm? And let me know how it all comes out. I'll tell you. Put a light in the window if it's yes and two if it's no. Well, Lucy, and if we you are... can't make up your mind just pull down the shade.
5: All I want to know is what has Armand
6: Louval got to do with all this? Why is he coming here? Because I sent for him. You said that. I still say why? He you ruined your last happy home? To bust the Oklahoma deal wide open. That's just it. There isn't going to be any Oklahoma deal. Hmm? I'm not going to marry Dan Leeson. Why not? Oh. <laughs> because I'm still in love with that crazy lunatic. And there's, there's nothing I can do about
3: it. What's the matter with you?
5: I'm a gibbering idiot. I'm a mad oh. woman.
6: Oh, now, Patsy, stop this. Here, answer the door, will you? Oh, good evening, Mr. LeVar. Good evening. I'll knock Come in. And how are you, my dear Lucy? I got your call. Yes, look, Armand, sit down, will you? It's about Jerry. Ah, yes, your husband. <laughs> He's a very funny man, yes. <laughs> yes, he is. But I'm convinced he still cares about me, or he wouldn't do the funny things he does. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't care much about me. No, he doesn't. No, and that's just what I'm getting at, Armand. You know that everything was all right that night. I want you to convince him that everything was just as we said it was. I'd be glad to. Does he carry a gun? Now, you're not afraid of him. Oh, of course not. No... (laughs) But you know husbands. Then you'll do it as soon as possible, won't you? He mustn't know that I've had anything to do with it. Uh, Very well. As soon as possible? Open up! It's Jerry. Oh, but this is much too soon. Oh, (laughs) of course. We'll do something. What shall I do? Well, well, you can't stand there. Go in the other room. And hurry him. Don't come out. I don't care for this. Well, neither do I. Let him in, Aunt Patsy. Oh, Lord. You said it.
1: Ah, greetings, Patsy. Oh. <laughs> hello. Oh, uh, hello, Lucy. Hello. Hello. What's the matter?
6: I, uh, nothing. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> I guess you two want to be alone. No, 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 Aunt Patsy. I do? Do,
5: I'll whip up a little omelet in the kitchen. No, Aunt Patsy.
1: Ah, smart girl, you Aunt Patsy. I, matter of fact, dear, I, I did want to be alone. You did? Yeah. Look, Lucy, let's get right down to it. I've been a sap. Have you? Yes, yes. I want to apologize. I know that Chump Lubell couldn't have meant anything to you, but, well, guys like him just make me murderous. I just want to... Oh. Oh, well, I... I just want to say I'm sorry for everything,
6: oh, dear. Oh, Jerry. I... Oh, look, Jerry. Let's meet later and talk it all over, shall we? Sure. Yes, that's wonderful. Here's your hat. Goodbye, dear. Yeah, but... but. I'll call you. Goodbye.
1: Oh. Uh, are you trying to get rid of me?
6: Oh, no, of course not. Why should I try to get rid of you? Here's your hat.
1: My hat? Well, that isn't my hat.
6: Oh, no. Now, l- it... Look at the thing that comes down
1: over my ears. Look at that.
6: Oh. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? Did you did you get a haircut, maybe?
1: Well, well not since I came in. Now, 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 now! Look at that thing. Doesn't that look funny to you? Holiday, look.
6: Yes, I know it, it, It's just a little roomy, but maybe they're wearing them that way this
5: year.
1: Well, I don't think so. I'm not.
5: <laughs> oh, I'll press the bell. All right. Why am I always answering bell?
1: Oh, well, look, Lucy. If you've got company. No, no, I'll...
6: it's nobody. It's just Dan Leeson, probably. Leeson.
1: Oh, well, I don't want him to see me here. I've caused you enough trouble. I'll just duck in the other room. No, no, oh, Jerry. No, no, no Lucy. I want you be happy. No. I'll wait in there till they are gone.
5: Yes, but Jerry, you. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Miss Adams. Oh, it's Mr. Leeson and his mother, Lucy.
8: Oh, hello, Lucy. Lucy,
5: dear, I've come to tell you something. Uh,
8: hello. We've come to tell you, Lucy. Well,
5: what have you come to tell me? I want to apologize for those awful things I accused you of this morning, Lucy. Yes?
3: Oh, <laughs>
5: yes? Well, go on. What's that? I think somebody's cleaning up in the next room. Lucy, I, I don't want you to be angry with me for repeating what that awful woman said about your divorce. Oh, no, God, I'm not angry. What nonsense? What is that? Oh, it's nothing. Oh, but... <gasps>
6: but, but, <gasps> but <gasps> oh, I'll
1: break your
3: neck. Oh, I'll please. tell
1: you you're
6: oh, You hide it behind closed
1: doors. Please. Hey, gangway. Please.
3: I'll break
6: every thought in your body. Don't forget to touch second, boys. Who was that?
5: Was that Mr. Warrener? Yes, he... <laughs> He just dropped in. And out. Dan, I think we'd better go. Two men hiding in the other room. Well, all I got to say is, a man's best friend
8: is his mother. Mrs. Warner, I certainly learned about women from you.
6: Come on, Ma. Oh, wait a minute. Well, you can't fire us, we quit. Oh, Lucy, don't. Don't
5: cry, dear. He believed it. He thought Elmo was hiding in that room. Sure. What did his mother? I'm talking about Jerry. Oh,
6: Jerry. <laughs> it's getting hard to keep track. What's
5: the matter with
3: Jerry?
6: Well, you read this in the newspaper. Oh, I could die. Let's see. <laughs> Jerry Waterner is being seen these days with Barbara Vance, the madcap heiress. We wonder if there'll be wedding bells when Jerry's divorce
5: becomes final in two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks? She's going to steal him from me. It's big of me. She's not married to him yet. (laughs) No. No, and she
6: won't be. He said he'd stick to me for better or worse. And if he knows what's good for him, he'd better...
7: The curtain falls on Act Two of The Awful Truth. And I assure you, a great surprise is in store for Jerry Warren in Act Three. But before the curtain goes up, there's a word or two of wisdom, I believe, for the ladies. In the very brief moment before Kerry Grant, Claudette Colbert, and Phyllis Brooks return, I would like to make this observation about our product, Lux Toilet Soap. Everyone knows that nine out of ten screen stars use Lux Toilet Soap. And we're very proud of this fact because it certainly is significant that such an overwhelming majority of these charming women, whose very livelihood depends to such an extent upon their appearance, have come to look upon Lux Toilet Soap as such a trusted aid in the task of keeping themselves ever beautiful. But another fact, which is just as important and just as significant, is that lovely girls, young women and older women in every village and town throughout this broad land also look upon Lux Toilet Soap as a trusted aide in the very important feminine job of keeping beautiful. Screen stars must have lovely skin, because they're screen stars, of course. But for another reason also. These famous beauties have close-ups to face off the screen, too. They know that for every woman who wants to win romance and hold it, lovely skin is important. And that's why they are really glad to be able to pass on to other women the happy experience they've had with Lux Toilet Soap. Here's what Betty Davis says. I use Luxe Toilet Soap regularly, as other Hollywood screen stars do. Why don't you use this fragrant white soap? So I'm going to ask every woman in our audience if she won't go to the store tomorrow and buy at least three cakes of Luxe Toilet Soap and use this fine, white, gentle soap with active lather faithfully. And it is my honest belief that if you do this, when the three cakes have gone... You will be just as enthusiastic over Lux toilet soap as the screen stars. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Claudette Colbert and Phyllis Brooks proceed with Act Three of The Awful Truth. Two weeks have gone by, and the divorce is almost final. Determined to block Jerry's impending marriage to the society heiress, Lucy has tricked her way into his apartment. Just inside the door, she stands facing him, smiling, coyly. Hello, Jerry. Well, now
6: that you're
1: in, what's the nature of this visit?
6: Well, I just thought I... You know what today is, don't
1: you? Certainly. Our divorce becomes final tonight at 12 o'clock, and tomorrow we'll both be back in circulation.
6: That's mm-hmm. right. I, I just thought I'd drop up to wish you a lot of luck.
1: Oh, that's very nice of you, but I'm just on my way out. Where to? Well, if you must know, I'm on my way out to a pre-engagement dinner for me and Barbara at the Fancy. Oh,
6: Jerry, you can't. Who says so? You can't because you love me. The things you believe me guilty of couldn't cause aggravation and heartache unless you loved me. Mm, Of course, I loved you. I said love, not love. Oh, you're so stubborn, Jerry. You're, You're throwing away our happiness.
1: Barbara's a fine girl. We get along swell together.
6: But that isn't necessarily happiness, Jerry. Look, you and I fight and we disagree on every subject under the sun. But we were happy. It's no fun for me to come here practically crawling to you, Jerry. But our marriage is worth it. I'd do anything to make you understand that... You and I belong together. Tomorrow will be too late, dear. Once you're free, the Vances will officially announce your engagement, and you won't be able to jilt a girl whose jilting would be news for every newspaper in the world. You'll be caught by circumstances. You'll be lost, Jerry. I'm
1: oh, very contentedly, too.
6: Oh, no. You'll be miserable. Oh, you dope. Why can't you understand? I'll take it. Oh, no, you won't. I've got it. Hello? Hello. Oh, Hello. Give me that phone. Jerry, I think it's...
1: Hello? Me. Hello? That's answer my telephone. I only
6: said hello. hello? Oh,
1: shut up. Now give it to me.
6: Hello? Tell her to call you back.
1: What? Yeah. Hello? Oh, shut up. Hello? Oh, hello, darling.
5: Well, it took you long enough. Have you made
1: up your mind who the woman is? Oh, that's funny. I knew you were going to ask me that.
6: Uh-huh. So did I. Who was she?
1: Well, it's really very simple, dear. That was my, uh, my, uh, my sister. Oh,
6: really? Your sister. Now, how are you ever going to get Keep out of quiet. that? quiet. I
3: didn't know you had
1: a sister. Oh, sure, sure. She just got back from Paris. Dropped in to see me, you know, and... Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I'd
6: love to meet your sister, Jerry. Why don't you bring
1: her along tonight? Oh, no, no. I don't think she can come over this evening. She has a previous engagement. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, naturally, dear. She's very anxious to meet you, but... Oh, yes. Yeah, tell her I'd love to meet
6: her. Tell her to wear boxing gloves. Quiet.
1: Now, look, Barbara, look, Barbara, she said if she possibly could, she'd break her engagement and come over later. Yes, but I doubt that very much.
6: Yes, I doubt it, too.
4: Well, if she can, she
6: can, of
1: course. That's right, dear, but I'll do my best to fix it up so the two of you will meet very soon. (laughs) Goodbye.
4: Goodbye, dear. Hurry over. I
1: will. (laughs) Well, now I'm in a fine fix. She wants to meet my sister. Well? You're a big help.
6: Anything I can do?
1: Oh, to break it up?
6: Uh, I see what you mean.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm in a fine mess. No,
6: I'm sorry, Jerry. Really, I yeah, am. Yeah, sure. But I wouldn't worry about it, dear. She trusts you, doesn't she? Of course she does. Hello? Uh, Hello. Oh, oh, I did it again. Oh,
1: give me that thing.
6: Oh, listen, you don't have to take that from Hello? anybody. Hello? Uh, quiet. Oh, oh so you don't have to take that to anybody. Put your foot time. down.
1: You're bringing your tonight. But... But, darling, I told you she couldn't make it.
6: There's no oh, reason for her to call you up every five
3: minutes,
1: is there? You, oh, no. no, no, no look, dear, there's us. no reason for you to call me up every five minutes, is there? Jerry. Goodbye. Well, well. I'll <laughs> oh, keep quiet. <laughs> oh, sit down, my boy, sit down. Thanks, Mr. Vance.
6: It's too bad your sister couldn't come tonight, Jerry.
1: Oh, yes. Well, she was terribly sorry, Mrs. Vance. You see, she uh, she didn't weather the boat trip very well. As a matter of fact, when I left, she was calling the doctor.
6: Hey, you can imagine my surprise when I heard a woman's voice on the phone. You can't blame me for being suspicious, Jerry, darling. Well,
1: certainly. I, I mean, of course not.
6: I was thinking, dear. Mother, don't you think it would be nice if I asked Jerry's sister to be a bridesmaid? Oh, lovely. Oh, well,
1: I think she's sailing back to Paris almost immediately. She said she'd do her best to see you before she goes, though. Oh, you'd like my sister, Barbara. She's very much your type.
6: Where did she go to school? Uh, uh, excuse me, what do you say? I said, where did she go to school?
1: In in um, Switzerland. Oh. And uh, you say your father was a Princeton man? Yes, that's right, sir. Huh. Class of 92. He tells some very funny stories about the place in those days. Yeah. Too. He tells one in particular about a football game. Mm. It seems Yale was playing Princeton one day. I and... beg
7: your pardon, Mrs. Vance.
6: Yes, Edwards?
7: Mr. Jerry's sister has arrived. What? Miss Lula Warrener.
6: Hello? Well, I made it, Jerry. surprise? Oh, you maniac. What'd you say, dear?
1: Uh, Oh, I just asked how you were feeling.
6: Oh, I'm feeling fine.
1: Mrs. Vance, may I present my sister, uh, Lola. How do you do?
6: (laughs) How'd you do? Oh, it's lovely to know you, Mrs. Vincey. Vance, my dear. Oh, sure,
1: I forgot. Barbara, this is Lola.
6: How do you do? How'd you do? Well, you know, it's nice getting a chance to meet you. I see your pictures in the paper, and I I wondered what you really look like. I've uh, wondered about you, too. Oh, well, thanks. Oh, Lola. Yes, dear? Uh,
1: This is Barbara's father, Mr. Vance. Mm. Mr. Vance, my sister. How do you do? do do? Well. What's the matter?
6: Oh, nothing. Only I never would have known you from Jerry's description. I think you look kind of cute. Uh, Won't you sit down, Miss Warrener? Thank you. Say, did I interrupt something? Go right on with your story, Jerry, honey.
1: Oh, well, I was telling a story about my uh about our father. Oh,
6: you were? Well, go right ahead, dear. Thanks,
1: thanks. You see, Mr. Vance, it was Yale's ball on Princeton's two-yard line. Oh, Mrs.
6: Vance, uh, I, I don't want to appear rude, but I wonder if I could have a little drinky. Why, uh, why, certainly. Well, I, I had three or four before I got here, but they're beginning to wear off, and you know how that is. Oh, well, don't look at me like that, Jerry. You like a little drink yourself. <laughs> you know what we call him, is it? We call him Jerry the Nipper. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to sneak them when nobody's looking. Oh, he's awful cute about it, too, yeah. I've seen him go along all evening, apparently not have a thing to drink, and all of a sudden fall flat on his puss. <laughs> Edwards, a glass of sherry for Miss Waterner, please. What, sherry? Oh, no, I don't like sherry. Oh, Mr. Edwards, come here, will you? He? Yes, miss. You know what I want, don't you? About the three fingers. Yes, and, miss. And snap it up, will you? I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jerry. What were you saying?
1: Well, I, I was just telling them one of Father's stories. You've heard it. Oh, I
6: have.
1: You see, there was a minute ago. Dad had the ball and... Ball? Uh... What ball? What? The football. Well, well, what in the world was Dad doing with the football? <laughs> look, look, I was just telling a story about when Father was at Princeton. You remember that.
6: Oh! Oh, sure. Well, cause I remember. Oh, oh yeah. You know, Pop loved Princeton. Yeah, he was there nearly 20 years. Oh, yeah. If ever a man loved the place, he did. He he just adored it, and, and he certainly kept it looking beautiful, too. You've seen the grounds, haven't you? The grounds? Of
1: course. Well, uh, well Mrs. Vance, I'm afraid that my sister has a somewhat distorted sense of humor.
7: So have I. Uh, your drink, miss. Oh, gee, thanks.
1: Now, what she really meant to say was... Mm, then...
7: Oh, gosh,
6: was that good? <gasps> oh, I'm so thirsty. It must have been that ham I had for dinner.
1: Now, listen, you.
6: Where did you get your liquor, Mr. Vance? It isn't too personal. Uh,
1: it's imported from Paris.
6: You don't say... Th- All the way? No. Oh, gee, well, that's pretty good stuff, though. Yeah, If I ever get managed to get to Paris, I'm going to look up the guy who sold it to you. If you ever get to Paris, didn't you just come back from there? Who, me? <laughs> Oh, I only wish I had. Oh, I guess that's just one of Jerry's stories again. You know, when Jerry and I were kids, we were the worst liars in the neighborhood. We always used to pretend we had rich relatives who were going to leave us money. <laughs> oh, I guess it was harmless enough, though. Everybody knew we were just sort of kidding ourselves. Are you sure everybody knew? Well, sure. Who would be dope enough to look at Jerry and me and think we had money or a family? <laughs> oh, but you have to give Jerry credit, you look. at We're proud of him, you know. He's worked himself up from to this. <laughs> what do you mean by this, Miss Warner? Well, now, you look at me. I'm different. Now, it isn't money that counts with me, your position in life. No, sir. No, it's art. All the time I was working at the Virginia Club, I you thought that I... You worked at the Virginia Club? Sure. Didn't Jerry tell you? No, he didn't. You're a singer, Miss Warner. That's what I do. I sing.
7: Well, uh,
1: perhaps you'd sing for oh, us okay. now. I'd uh, some other time. You see, my Oh, sister...
6: now, that's the trouble with you, Jerry. You've tried to keep me in the background all your life. Well, of course I'll sing for you. Sure, I will. Do you own a piano? Um, right there. Well, thanks. Now, you see when... Oh, uh, oh! wait a minute. Don't anybody leave this room. I've lost my purse. Good well, gracious. There's your purse, Miss Warner, on the chair. Oh, well, am I relieved. Oh, Mr. Edwards. Uh, yes, miss. Well, you kind of keep an eye on my purse, you know, right here. Thanks.
1: Lola, um, I think we'd better go now. It's getting late. Oh,
6: no. Now, not before I sing, Jerry. Uh, well, oh, gosh. Who does your tuning? I'm sure I don't know. Well, maybe it's just the piano. Uh, what are you going to sing? Oh, it's a surprise, isn't it? But the first time I sang this number, oh, I killed him. You know, there was a fellow there. I, I think he was a critic. He said my voice had a... Let me see. What was it? Oh, yeah. Elfin charm. A je ne sais You know what I mean. Now, quiet, please. Barbara, I'm afraid. Quiet, Mrs. Sands. I got an invitation from Mrs. Hutton. I'm all dressed up. don't care for nothing. I'm proud. get up. You're going starting, out of here. Now, I won't stop all my life. You try to keep me in the background. I see. Aren't you speaking to me? No. That's better. Oh, it's wonderful of you to drive me up to Aunt Patsy's cabin after all the trouble I've caused you.
1: Shut up. I'm handing you over to your Aunt Patsy, and then I'm leaving for good.
6: I don't blame you, Jerry. I really don't, honestly. Jerry, you can
1: leave now. Oh, no, no, no. I want to see you safely in the door where you can get in your aunt's hair, not of mine. Mrs. Warner.
6: Hello, Frank.
1: I wasn't expecting anybody tonight.
6: Will you tell Aunt Patsy I'm here?
1: Why, she ain't here, Mrs. Warner. She ain't been here for weeks. What? Oh, I get it. Another one of your little tricks, huh? Well, it won't work. I'm going back to town and I'm going alone. Good night and goodbye. Goodbye, Jerry.
6: Be careful driving, dear. Hey. What's the matter? Well,
1: the the keys to the car, where are they? What? The keys to the car, the ignition key, where is it?
6: Well, I don't know. Did did you have it when you came?
1: Well, how do you think I drove here? Now, listen, Lucy, you took that key and I want it back.
6: I haven't got it. You
1: have so got it.
6: Do you want to search me?
1: Yeah, uh, no. Oh,
6: poor Jerry. I'm afraid you're stuck here all night, darling. Isn't it a shame? here in front of the fireplace. Just the way it was when we came here on our honeymoon, Jerry. Oh, now,
1: please, Lucy. The less you have to say about it, the better I'll like it.
6: Well, it won't be long. It's a quarter after 11. 45 minutes, and you'll you'll never have to listen to me again. Just 45 teeny minutes. Funny, isn't it, Jerry?
1: Well, it wasn't my fault. I only... Oh, I'll keep quiet.
4: 45 little minutes.
6: Happy, I think all this that happened tonight will be forgotten. I'll tell Barbara Vance myself that it was all a joke and, and that I want you to be very, very happy. It's only 30 minutes now, Jerry.
1: Uh, Lucy, listen, I... Oh, what? Uh, 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 nothing.
6: Oh. Uh, she seems to be a nice girl, Jerry. I, I'm sure she'll mean more to you. Never think about me. Never let me spoil your happiness, Jerry. I'll, I'll get along all right. Just be happy, darling. I'll, I'll get along all right. No one will ever know that I. Oh, I shouldn't say these things, should I, Jerry? I'll get along all right.
1: Uh. Wait a minute. Listen. Yes. Listen, Lucy. What? Listen. It's it, it's all off. I'm not going to go through with it. I don't care whether you love me or not. You're married to me, and you're going to stay married. You hear? Jerry. Yeah. Call the caretaker. No, I'll call him myself. Frank, Frank, come in here right away. Anything wrong, folks? Now, listen, Frank. You're a witness. See, the divorce is off. Oh, Jerry! Yeah, exactly thirty seconds before twelve o'clock, we called off the divorce. Remember that, and swear to it. You betcha. All right, now, uh, get out. You betcha.
6: Oh, oh Jerry.
1: Ah, ah Lucy.
6: Jerry, listen. Twelve o'clock. Wedding bells, darling.
1: Every second that passes, I love you twice as much.
6: Say it, darling.
1: I love you, Lucy.
6: I love you, Jerry.
1: I love you, Lucy.
6: I love you. (laughs) (laughs)
2: And that was the magnificent Cary Grant and Claudette Colbert in The Awful Truth. Great stuff. Well, it's very much a family affair today because I have brought with me a very special guest to help draw the winner of the Alfred Hitchcock competition. So, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to my daughter, Matilda. Hi. Hi. Well, you're going to draw the competition today. Okay, so we've got the names of all the people that got the question right in our hat. Yes. Or teacup. <laughs> okay. Just to tie this into old movies, which is your favourite old movie? Um, Wolfman. Why?
3: Because he, it's just silly. He just goes... And punches her? Yeah.
2: That's supposed to be scary.
3: But he just throws them around. It's not scary.
2: What about the creature from the Black Lagoon? Well...
3: They, they only use chocolate sauce for blood. Like, there's a scene with a man just going... Ah, 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 and he's not moving. He's, like, frozen in terror. Like, died from f- died from terror and he's just frozen on the ground. And there's, like, chocolate sauce going all down his arm.
2: That's terrifying.
3: It's not.
2: Okay, you're doing the washing up for a whole month. What? So, anyway, we're going to get on with this competition. Matilda, do you want to put your hand in there and pick a winner?
3: But before I do that, what is this competition about anyway?
2: Okay, so people are entering because they want to win Hitchcock's Notebooks, Hitchcock by Truffaut, and a copy of the Rebecca soundtrack. And what they had to do is they had to name Alfred Hitchcock's granddaughters. Mm. Okay, and that was Mary, Teresa, and Kathleen. Mm. So all the people who got it right have their names written in there. So do you want to do the honours?
3: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please. And the winner of today's competition is... Fran Peters!
2: Fran Peters. Okay, if you get your address emailed over to me now, then I will get the competition prizes sent out to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matilda. Okay. Thanks for appearing.
3: Okay. You're the first
2: person I've ever had on this podcast. You should be very honoured.
3: You should be very honoured.
2: You cheeky little monkey. Now go and do the washing up. What? Well, with that... This week's offering comes to an end. I do hope to see you next week right here. Don't be scared of leaving an iTunes review if you feel as though you have a few moments to spare. They are very much appreciated. And don't forget to record your Christmas greetings and get them into me very soon and you could find yourself co-starring alongside your favourite stars from the Golden Age. For more details, go to the blog section of the website at attaboyclarence.com Alrighty then, I look forward to seeing you in episode 47. But until then, good night, sleep tight, and bye for now.
3: You have failed, monk!